Well, good morning, church, and welcome um, this morning. Hopefully the kids by now are getting themselves settled and um, we can have a little look at the passage in a bit more depth today. I'm going to talk this morning about the theme of loneliness. Um, It's something that affects us all. And as I kind of Googled statistics, I found that the campaign to end loneliness had some really good statistics on that on this. Um, They said that nine million people in the UK admitted to being lonely all the time or some of the time. Uh, But then they went on to say something quite interesting, which was that two thirds of the people that they interviewed said that they wouldn't admit they were lonely, even if they were. And I think that sort of uh, makes me think that there's a bit of shame um, surrounding loneliness. We don't like to admit it. We're bred to be independent beings and we should be able to do it on our own. But this morning, let's think about it. Let's just say, look, we all get lonely. So let's talk about that together and see what God has to say. Well, there are many different ways, uh, uh, reasons even, that loneliness can affect us. For example, we could break up with um, a partner and we could feel lonely. We could uh, move house maybe for a job or to a different city where we don't know anyone. Those are kind of the obvious lonely ones. But there's also that sense of being lonely in a crowd as well, isn't there? I found this quote uh, from Fiona Apple. She said, when you're surrounded by all these people, it can feel lonelier than when you're by yourself. You can be in a huge crowd, but if you don't feel like you can trust anyone or talk to anyone, you feel like you're really alone. And I was thinking, yeah, if you're uh, in a shopping centre and you're there on your own, you see lots of people walking past, it can feel really lonely. Or even if you're on a bus um, and people are all looking at their phones, you're not really connecting with them, you feel lonely. And then there's the other sort of loneliness when things go wrong. And we, even though friends and family can gather around with us, No one really knows how we feel, and that can be really lonely too. Uh, Scott Fitzgerald, uh, he's an American writer, he wrote um, Benjamin Button, if you've ever read that or seen the film. He said, uh, the loneliest moment in someone's life is when they're watching the whole world fall apart and all they can do is stare blankly. And I think we can identify with that too. And of course, there's COVID at the moment. Oh, that, and that compounds everything, doesn't it? Uh, we all can feel that sense of loneliness, just not being able to see our friends and family, grandchildren, not able to hug, you're not able to support people, people in need. You can't always even do it. You just can't do the normal things and you can feel really isolated in your homes. Mother Teresa said that loneliness was a type of poverty even. It's um, it's a desperate situation, but something that definitely affects us all. Um, I know for me, as I was thinking about it, I thought about when I was in year six at school and I got bullied. I felt utterly alone. I was excluded from the group and some of you might be able to relate, relate to that. Also, when I was a new mum with young children, that can be a really lonely time in our lives and if that's you right now and you've got covid uh to contend with then oh my heart goes out to you because that is a desperate type of loneliness and there's also the loneliness of being sometimes in a job or in a classroom where everyone seems to know each other and get on really well but you seem to be excluded 
How about you this morning? I'm going to give you a chance now to share your experiences of loneliness. Uh, if you're with someone, if you're in a, uh, you're in the same household, if you're bubbling with people, then why not have a bit of a chat now about your experiences of loneliness? Uh, what was the situation? How did it make you feel? And if you are alone this morning, then uh, why not WhatsApp or uh, post on the chat um, your experiences of loneliness if you feel able to. Okay, so in the passage, the historian Luke, he recounts the miraculous healing of the man who hid the lame man. And I think that the lame man has something to say about loneliness. Let's look at verse one and two of chapter three. Um, It talks about Peter and John uh, going to the temple. And the first thing I want to pull out is that the man um, would have been there, uh, known something of loneliness right from childhood because here we know that he was lame from birth. So even right at the beginning of his life, when he's like other children are running around and having great time playing hide and seek and stuff, he can't join in. And then in adult life, um, he can't join the family business, so he can't get a job, so he's excluded in that way as well. So he's now a beggar, which puts him on the outside. Um, And we know in social security didn't exist then. So he's a bit of a burden on his family. And there'd be that sense of, oh, I'm such a burden. It would be better if I wasn't here. In verse nine, we uh, read that um, the people, when they saw him praising and leaping, um, leaping and praising God, that they recognised him as the man who used to sit by the temple gate, the temple gate, um, beautiful, the beautiful gate. So we know he'd been there for years as well. Now, thinking about him sitting there for years by the temple gate, um, we need to try and relate to this man a bit. And so I was thinking about what you feel like when you go past a beggar in the street. Sometimes you might be tempted to look the other way or ignore that person or pretend you didn't see them um, or even cross the road. Um, I can remember years ago when um, I was playing a game. It was only a game with teenagers and the leaders of the, of the youth group would hide around the, the town, dressed up in different ways. It was a bit of a joke. And me and my friends, we decided to dress up as buskers and the kids had to come and find us. And she played the guitar and I sang. Now, I remember doing that and it was just for fun. But I felt really embarrassed and I felt really excluded because people did just look the other way or pretend you weren't there or cross the road. For a person begging on the streets, you're faced with that all the time, thinking every day people walk past you and pretend you don't exist. Every day you see people cross the road to avoid you. Every day you see people um, who just blank you. And every day you're reminded again and again that people prefer it if you weren't there. And this is the situation of our lame man here in chapter three. He's really excluded. He's on the outside. But it's more than that. Remember where he is. He's at the gate, the gate, the temple gate. Beautiful. He's excluded from going into the inner bit of the temple. Um, So there's a sense that he's not only excluded from his peers and the workforce, and maybe the people going into the temple. But there's also extent that he is excluded from his religious community too. 
he's very much out where they go in. He is utterly outside and barred from going into something they go freely in. And we can know that feeling of being outside because social media can often ex- uh, make it even worse, can't they? If you're looking at pictures of families enjoying themselves and having a great time or pe- loads of friends having a party, you can really get that sense of being excluded. You feel lonely because you weren't invited in. So when the man shouts at Peter and John, he calls for money, just like he would normally do. And he's expecting them to either ignore him or cross the road or just chuck some money and hurry past. He must have been astounded when that didn't happen, because verse three to five, he asked for money. And then Peter looked straight at him, looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something. Now, this is a surprise, but Peter and John are doing exactly what they've seen Jesus, their master, do. When Jesus would walk around, people would shout his name. He would stop and give people 100 percent attention. They'd seen him do this time and time again. And this made me think about my friends. We were chatting the other week on Alpha and we were talking about ways that we'd seen people uh, that we had experienced God prompting us to do something. And he talked about God prompting him to stop and talk to someone begging on the street about how he was tempted to walk past, felt a bit embarrassed, but stopped, engaged, looked right at the person and ended up having an amazing conversation. And yes, He couldn't get him off the street that day, but he was able to buy him a burger and gave him time. He looked straight at him. And here, Peter and John look at the man. The man looks at them. They've got something to offer him that's far more valuable than money. Let's look at verse six to eight. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk walk and the man's legs are healed they're strengthened and he goes in joyfully now this can seem just um, a story about healing and it's brilliant even if it's just that it's brilliant but it's so much more than that isn't it the man goes into the temple now remember he's at the gate because a, a man who's lame is not allowed to go into the temple and in these times The mindset, the belief was very much that the presence of God was inside the temple. To be with God, you had to go in. And this man couldn't go in. But here, Peter and John offer him something else. It's more than just healing. He gets a wholeness. He is embraced into the community. He is able to go into the temple. He's able to go into the presence of God. And this is what Jesus offers, isn't it? Jesus offers us the chance to go in, to not only be with him and his father, but to be brought into uh, the community of his followers. Just before in chapter two, we see a picture of the people who started following Jesus. And there's already about 5,000 of them and it's only been a few weeks. 
And as well as worshipping together and fellowshipping together and breaking bread with one another and hearing talks, we read that all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone and everyone in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So we see that the church is uh, functioning like family. What Peter and John are offering this man is not just healing, not just access to God, but access to this family of believers. You see, in our day and age, if we think of a family, we think of nuclear family, we think of 2.4 kids, we think of our own mortgages, our own jobs, our own bank accounts. But in this time and many places in the world today, family is not nuclear. It's extended. It's huge. All the money is held together. The family business is together. You're building together. You live together. You share together. And this has been the pattern of the church since the beginning and still is today. You can still find communities today, Christian communities that share everything, that sell their possessions, um, take a vow of poverty, move in together and share everything. And in the church, wider church that maybe don't go as far as that, there's still this sense of togetherness of sharing everything. Today, in our community, if you have a financial need, you can ask. There's pastoral funds, there's ways of helping. In your house groups, you can ask if you need something and people will help you. Uh, just the other, just this week gone, someone posted they needed a single bed. They were inundated with people saying, I've got a bed, I've got a bed, I've got a bed. It's a really good picture of the church acting like a family. And this is what the man is invited into. Because when we become believers, we are adopted, it says, into God's family. He becomes our heavenly father and we, the church, become family, brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, a really good example of this sense of becoming family is given by um, a guy that used to lecture me. And he talked about how he adopted two little girls. Before he adopted them, they lived literally on a rubbish dump. Every day they would go out and they'd collect stuff to either eat or to sell to try to get by. And there were hundreds, hundreds of children and adults all over. And it was very overwhelming for him. But he describes how the minute he decided to adopt these girls, they were his girls. And he was going to protect them. He was going to get them in his home as fast as he could. He was going to provide for them, love them, care for them. And this is a great picture of how God feels about us, how the church is his family. And we might be overwhelmed by the number of people that need to uh, be cared for, that need to know God as a heavenly father. But God is not overwhelmed. He's not like us. God feels like this about us. He passionately wants us, you, in his family today. And the church demonstrates this passion that God has to bring people into his family by their actions. Here, Peter and John heal the man. And there are people that go out on the streets and offer healing. 
But equally, there are people that will go out and talk to the homeless, people that will provide food, people that offer flip flops to people that need them, offer things for their homes. Um, there's food banks. We all work together to share what we've experienced being part of the family of God where we love and care for one another. And along with that, the whole time we're inviting people, come and be part of God's family. He loves you. He cares for you. He's passionate about you. And when we give things, we're saying this is from God. We're extending that invitation to come and be with God and his family. And so the next Peter thing that Peter and John do is that they extend the invitation to those who've watched to come and be part of God's family. They say it wasn't us. We didn't do this. Jesus did this. And that's what we do when we give stuff. We say we give it in the name of Jesus as a blessing from Jesus. We're told in verse 16 that um, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man who you see has been made strong. It's Jesus name that strengthens us. When we experience loneliness or being outside, we can feel vulnerable. But when we know we've got Jesus, he strengthens us. When we have the church around us, we feel strengthened. Our family are with us and care for us. With Jesus, we know a strength that um, doesn't come from us. It comes from him. And that doesn't mean that we're always physically healed. Don't get me wrong there. There are plenty of Christians that aren't physically healed. But we know a strength to keep going because we know that God and his family are with us. We're not alone. Verse 17 says, uh, we know you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. That is, they didn't know that Jesus was the Messiah. But then he goes on to say, but this was God's plan. This is what he did. And then 19, what should you do? How do you become part of God's family? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and times are refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent. Yes, repent of the things you've done wrong. We can all think of things we've done wrong, not only to ourselves, but to others. And you might think, well, it's weird. You know, I've done wrong to that person. Why do I have to say sorry to God? Well, imagine God. God's like a father. He created us. And when we hurt other people, it hurts him. It's like you're hurting his child. And so we can say, I'm sorry I did that, God. I didn't mean to hurt your child. And when we hurt ourselves, because sometimes we don't like ourselves, um, we can say sorry for that. God, I'm sorry. I know that you made me. I know that you love me. Please forgive me for that action. And repent can also mean to change our mind. We change our mind about what we do, about what we think about people and about God. Often we think God, uh, we, we create pictures of what we think God's like. He's not caring. He's not loving. And we repent of that too. We change our mind and know that he loves us, he cares us, he wants us in his family to experience what it's like to be part of his family. So, repenting, number one, to change our mind, to turn to God. So, that's an offer today, to turn to him, to become part of his family. He's offering again that hand. And sometimes people come to our church when we're in the building and they react. They say, oh, it'd be so nice to be a part of this. You guys love each other. It would be so nice. They see how people from different walks of life all care for each other. Um, and they say, that's really unusual. We don't see that anywhere else. 
and then they walk away. Um, and maybe that's just because sometimes we just feel like that's not for us. We wouldn't be welcome. We don't fit here. Um, maybe we think uh, that loneliness is just what it is. We don't think there's a way to not be lonely. Or maybe we think churches, you have to be a certain person or a certain way. or have to be kind enough or gentle enough gentle enough to draw draw to join it but that's just a massive mistake because God wants to invite every single person into his family so they can experience this strength this love and these times of refreshing and the times of refreshing are like uh, when we experience that love between our family when we get a picture of what heaven's like where we no one feels lonely where no one's left out. And that's what we want to see in our community, isn't it? A situation where no one feels left out, no one feels lonely. So today, let's just pray together in a minute. Perhaps you're feeling lonely right now. And if you're part of a community, our community, I'm sorry that you feel that way today. Why don't you reach out? I know that sometimes I feel lonely and it's, I think, oh, so-and-so hasn't contacted me or no one cares about me. But then I have to think, but have I done that? Have I contacted the rest of my church family? Have I checked they're okay? Have I seen if they're all right today? So maybe that's something for you today. And can I remind you that God loves you and he is with you? And maybe you don't feel lonely, but you've stopped maybe caring if others do. And maybe today is a chance for you to make sure that you check in on people you think might be feeling a bit lonely. Or maybe you're not part of our community and you're thinking, oh, I'd like to know that church. I'd like to be a part of it. But can I really join them? Jesus is offering an invitation today for you to join his family. And it tells you really clear here that it is in the name of Jesus. Repent and turn to him so that your sins may be wiped out. That's like a whiteboard. They've gone and that you might experience this for yourself. So let's pray together now. Father God. I oh, just thank you for your family, that we don't need to be alone because you're with us and you place us in the family. It says in your word, you place the lonely in families. And there are so many of us that can testify that um, we were lonely, but we are now part of your family. And we pray for people today, Jesus. I'm just going to pray for anyone today who's feeling lonely, that they might know your presence. And your church wrapping their arms around them. And I also want to pray for anyone who's not part of your family yet. Who's looking in from the outside. I pray Jesus that they would know how much you passionately love them. And how much your family is waiting for them to come home. Amen.